name's Jared Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here uh, at Soul City, and uh, we're in actually week two of a month-long look at how do we take things that are utterly spiritual and make them as practical as possible. How do we actually have a relationship with God? Talk about that a lot, talk about it a lot in church, but lots of times we may not know what that actually means. And so how can we get practical with what is utterly spiritual? How can we live this life out? So last week we looked at the Bible and how we fall more in love with the Bible as God's gift to us. How do we do that on a daily basis? Many of you did the homework this last week of, of meditating on God's word, on the Bible, to start your day that way. This week, we're going to be looking at something that I think every one of us needs help with, and specifically, that's the area of prayer. Prayer is this powerful, powerful uh, way that uh, we have to be connected. It's a great source of, really one of the greatest sources of connection we have to God. And yet, for many people, if they're to be honest, it can also be one of the greatest sources of frustration in their relationship with God. Because we don't know how to do it, or are we doing it right? Are we doing it wrong? Am I doing this thing enough? I, I think the words of uh, a theologian, favorite theologian and writer of mine, Dallas Willard, are very appropriate. Dallas is someone uh, who has spoken deeply into my life and deeply into the foundations of the church, and sadly passed away this last week. But his words, I think, ring true to our frustration and wondering about how do we pray. He said these words. He said, I think our most serious failure today is the inability to provide effective, practical guidance as to how to live the life of Jesus. How do we pray? How do we pray like Jesus prayed? How do we pray like he's inviting us to pray? How do we do this? We're going to get incredibly spiritually practical this morning. While we will not, absolutely will not be able to cover everything on prayer, our hope is that you will walk out of here today with a desire to connect to God in prayer and a way to actually begin to do that. If you don't know how to do that, you will walk out of here today with a way to pray. This last week, uh, as I was doing our homework of reading, waking up in the morning earlier, setting my alarm 30 minutes earlier to get up and actually read the Bible and do what we talked about here last Sunday— I found that I was living in a whole new world with how this happened. Because I, I would go to bed at night and I would use my phone to set as an alarm. So I'd set my phone as an alarm. We don't even have alarm clocks in our room anymore. So I'd set my phone, put it by my bedside. And when I would wake up in the morning, I would take my phone, open it up, and I would go to my Bible app. And I would open it up, and I read through First and Second Corinthians this last week. And as I was reading through, I'm on my phone in bed, thinking, "This is a beautiful world that we live in. That now that all this technology, all this possibility, is available to me in the palm of my hand. These are powerful little devices. And for many of us, we've gotten so accustomed to these, we cannot remember a world without them. You would not be able to drive around town were it not for one of these. We have become so dependent on these things. In fact, can you even remember life before a smartphone or cell phone? In fact, I want you to think about, do you remember your first cell phone that you ever had? Do you remember? Did it flip in any capacity? <laughs> Did it weigh more than four pounds? Yes. This was not that long ago, friends. This technology has evolved so much, and we have all the way become so dependent 
on how connected we can be. We're so connected to these things because they connect us to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Anything you need is available to you. My alarm, my Bible, my schedule, all of that in this one little piece of technology. What's amazing to me is our kids will not ever know a world without this kind of connection. They simply won't know about how it used to be. And so it's our job as old people to tell them (laughs) again and again and again. In fact, this is so ubiquitous. They are so used to this technology just yesterday, yesterday we were driving and we had to run some errands. So we were kind of going all over town. And so we'd have to go in for this or go in for that. And, you know, as I would run in, the kids would ask if they could send me a text from Jeannie's phone. They're so into sending text messages. Again, this didn't exist 15 years ago. But my kids now text me. I'm only 100 yards away from them and gone for five minutes at best. But they can connect with me. In fact, I want to show you the text that Elijah sent me when I was running an errand yesterday. <laughs> It's an emoticon nightmare. Like even Justin, you don't even use emoticons this much. Like this is a lot, a lot, a lot. And his are a lot of like policemen and army men and flags and technology and a gun every now and then. And so like he would use his emoticons and then his sister would send me one. And this is hers. Flowers, trees, ponies. So sweet. I was never unclear in who was sending the text messages. They, they will not know a world without this kind of instant, ultimate connection, where we're always connected. Again, it didn't always used to be this way. See, when I was younger, we had these. <laughs> this is a telephone. This is a phone. And this is what's so amazing is when I grew up, this is what we had. And it was very much, you, you had to be in a specific place to call another place. And they had to be there at the specific time that you were calling. And you could not go far. You could go as far as this would reach. Or maybe you were lucky and you had a cordless phone with a three-foot antenna on top of it in your home. And you could walk around the room at best. You couldn't go outside because you'd lose the call. This was how we connected. It was very, very, very dependent on and and, and really honestly confined by specific space and a specific time. I'm going to call you from my home. I'm going to call your home and you better be home when I call. And if you weren't, well, then you would miss the call. And in fact, the reality is in these days, we probably missed more calls than we made. But that's okay because technology stepped up to the plate for us. If you missed a call in your home, it's okay because the answering machine for the seven people over the age of 30, the answering machine would get it. And so you would go back and play the tape back of who called and then decide if you wanted to whether or not you would call them back. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? None of this pressure of always having to return every text and every call. That's kind of how it used to be. And thankfully, thankfully, to help my sermon illustration along, my mother-in-law still has all those forms of technology in her home. Our kids love going there because it's corded phones and answering machines, and it is a throwback to my childhood. And I love it. So I appreciate Mom on Mother's Day for keeping that alive for us all. Our kids won't know this kind of world. And as silly and kind of antiquated as we go, how did we ever do it? How did we ever make it with this kind of having to be in one place at one time and do it one way? The reality is for most of us, when it comes to prayer and connecting with God in prayer, 
This is how we pray. I got to be in a specific place. I gotta, it's got to be at a specific time. Got to use these specific words. Meanwhile, the rest of our life has sort of evolved to instant connection at any time with anyone, anywhere, with everyone except God. And we're still stuck in an old way of praying that says it has to be this certain way at this certain time and this certain. And many of us, if we're honest, feel like we've had a lot of missed calls with God, left a lot of messages. And so we wonder, how do we pray? Is this what it's supposed to be like? Is this how it's supposed to be? Or could there be another way? Could God be inviting us into a deeper way of connecting with him? Could it be that what we're being invited into is not so much just prayer times, but a prayer life that is in constant connection with God? How do we move from praying to a God who's out there, kind of making our call, hoping he'll answer, to praying to a God who's in here, as scripture teaches, who is with you, who is actually for you. How do we pray? Well, we're going to look at a specific passage where Jesus was asked that exact question, and he actually answered it and gave us a way to pray. And so we're going to look at one passage. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, we've got you covered. It's great to see folks reaching for the blue Bible in front of you. Just grab just the blue Bible and a pen, if you would. We're going to circle a couple words in Matthew chapter 6. We've been camping out around this part of the Bible for a while now. Matthew chapter 6. It's on page 678, just so you know in the blue Bible. If you don't kind of know your way around, that's okay. Page 678. I'd ask that everyone would pull one out, everyone have this with them. And here's the other thing we say every week. If you don't own a Bible, we talked about the power of the Bible and how it's God's gift to us and how we can fall more in love with it last week. If you don't own a Bible and you're serious about investigating who this God is, we'd encourage you to steal a Bible from church today. Take this blue Bible with you. Please take it home with you. It's our gift to you. We would rather you have this so that you can have an honest searching of who God is based on who he says he is. So Matthew 6, keep your kind of finger there. I want to give you a setup to the passage we're going to look at, and then we'll dive into this text where Jesus teaches us how to pray. You know, thankfully, we're not the first people to ever ask, how do I pray? How do we pray? How do I do it? Am I doing it right? I don't know. His disciples, Jesus' very own disciples, the people that he invited into life with him for the time that he was on earth doing his public ministry, his very disciples looked at the life of Jesus, listened to the way that he prayed, watched the authority with which he prayed, and were baffled and said, clearly we are missing something here. They saw how this Jesus prayed and the power of his prayer literally calmed wind and waves. And the power of his time in prayer calmed his own heart from the pressures and intensity of ministry that God had called him to. So they look at Jesus. And in fact, there's a little passage. You don't have to turn there, but it's an ancillary account of the passage we're about to look at. It's in Luke 11. Let me just read it to you. You can read it on the screens. It said, one day while Jesus was praying in a certain place. Thank you for being specific, Bible. In a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples had the nerve, had the courage to say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's a question we're here to ask this morning. How do I pray? Teach me to pray. I want to know how to pray. Like John taught his disciples, John the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus, he taught his disciples to pray, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Because we see that you're doing something. You have a connection with the Father that we want. Will you teach us how to pray? It's a very 
risky thing to ask Jesus a question. In the Bible, many times people would ask Jesus a question, and he would turn it around and ask them a better question back. People would walk in and go, oh, God, I don't know. And so they'd walk away kind of unsure, and Jesus kind of loosened everything up in them about what was behind their question. Many times people would ask Jesus a direct question like this, and he'd answer with a story, a parable, which ultimately actually revealed the deeper heart of God, but was a little kind of masked on the surface. You'd have to really think about it and reflect on it. This is not one of those times. Jesus very clearly says, okay, let me show you, let me teach you a way to pray. And so that's the account we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump down to verse 9. It's a passage you may be familiar with. In fact, it's a verse and a prayer that you may have memorized, even sung at one point. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Just by show of hands, how many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer? Raise your hand. Now look around. Keep your hands look around. Just about everybody is familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We know this prayer. You, maybe you grew up, maybe you've heard of it before. Let's look at the, what's kind of behind the prayer that you might have memorized as a child or sung or heard before. What is the point and the purpose of what Jesus is saying here? Is he giving us some, like one more thing to memorize? Giving us one more thing to kind of just recite? Or is there a deeper way of praying, staying connected with God at all times? And he's giving us language and a way to do so. So let's look at this prayer together. Starting in verse 9, Matthew 6, 9. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Now, we're going to hit pause. We're going to break this passage down a little bit. Our Father in heaven. Now, maybe when you grew up, that was a sort of a formal way, our Father in heaven. It was said with great, you know, our Father in heaven. Do you know what the actual word is that Jesus uses here? And you may be familiar with this. The word Father is actually, he uses an old Aramaic word, a very intimate word. The word is actually Abba, which translates in Swedish to super disco group. <laughs> but before that, see, I had to say it because you'd think it the whole time. So I just diffused the situation by naming Abba. Now we can get back into the text. The word actually comes from an Aramaic word, an old word that literally means daddy. Literally, daddy or papa. I had the privilege to go to Israel a few years back. I'm in the airport, in line. A child got separated from his parents, and I heard through the crowd, Abba, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. Let any one of us who has kids, when you hear them say Mommy or Daddy, you know what happens in your heart. There's a connection that's instant. There's a love that is known and shared. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Daddy. Papa, Father, intimacy that comes from relationship. I come to you as I am. And Jesus goes on to say, start by saying, Daddy, come with that level of intimacy that you can come into the presence. But then he says, hallowed be your name. Now, again, we don't use the word hallowed all that much. I'm not sure the last time you described a meal as hallowed. But what the word literally means is high above. Be, to be praised, far above, hallowed. This is, this is on sort of another level. So Jesus says, start with Daddy, Abba, Papa, <laughs> great and glorious God. You see, it seems like a contradiction, but in the definition of who God is, it's actually completion. He is both Father and He is a God who is far and high above, glorious and worthy to be praised, hallowed, Abba. 
He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Starts with you, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. How is it so often that I come into prayer? God, my kingdom right now, my way be done right now. Here's what God, here's what I want you to do. Here's how you have to do it. Here's when you have to do it. Here's the way. That's typically how I, you can start, maybe I've started my prayers. My kingdom come, my will be done. God, you just need to facilitate it for me. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Start with your kingdom come, your way, your rule, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is normal in heaven, God, make normal here on earth as well. Your will, your way be done. What Jesus is showing us here in this prayer, what he's giving us is a way to pray. And it starts simply by saying these words, you are. You are, God. You are. And if if you ever get stuck or you don't know, you want to pray, how do I pray? Just like his disciples said, how do I pray? Jesus says, let me help you. Start by saying, you are, God. You are. God, before I get into kind of my list of things, which we're going to get to here in a second, I'm just going to stop and say, you are, God. You are this. You are good. And what happens is when I declare who God is, is it reorients and it recalibrates my perception of myself. God, you are, you are, you are. And then that helps me see who I am, I am, I am. Do you see how that can change it? Just by starting there, God, you are. And you declare to him, this is who you are. God, there is enough to declare about the goodness and greatness of God to last a lifetime. And so what would it look like for you to start when you enter into time of prayer or connection with God or having a conversation with God saying, God, you are, you are, you are so great. You are so good. You are so faithful. You are so patient. You are so powerful. I'm going to start by declaring who you are. And when I declare who you are, it helps me see who I am. You are. But then Jesus goes on to say this. Verse 11. Give us today our, what's the word? Daily bread. Circle those two words. Today and daily. Very important, actually. Today and daily. Give us today our daily bread. Now, again, lots of times when we come to prayer or having a conversation with God, typically what we want is God to lay it all out for us. God, just here's the whole big picture. God, we want you to do all this. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You ask specifically for what you need today. And God loves to provide because he's your Abba. He's your daddy. He loves to take care of his children. So say, here is what I need today. Today, here is what I need from you. Give us this day, today, what I need for today. In fact, just before this passage in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus informs us that God actually already knows what you need before you say it. He knows what you need. You may not. You may have a list of all the things you want. He knows what you need before you even say it. But it delights his heart when you come to him as your child say, I need this from you. I am being specific. And starting by praying for our daily bread today, what it does, honestly, is it becomes a declaration of your dependence on God. That's why using these words, I need, is actually important when we pray. I need. I need. We were having a conversation in my small group this past round, and we were talking with a couple guys around about prayer and looking at God's word, and what does it say about prayer. And one of the guys said, I'm going to be really honest with you. He's like, I find it really hard to pray for myself. I just feel like that's selfish. 
And so what he does is he prays for everyone else's needs, which is a beautiful thing. Prays for everyone else's needs. Prays for situations around the world with people he'll never know or never meet, but will not pray for himself because that feels selfish. And yet here we are hearing from the very mouth of Jesus. It's not only okay, it's right to say, I, I need this. I need because it's my declaration of dependence on you and it reminds me, God, that I am not you and that you are. You're my father who loves to provide for me. What would it look like for you to be that honest with God? What do you need from God today? If you were to be really specific, what do you need? You're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. You need rest. Have you thought to ask God for it? You're anxious. There's things going around. We talked about last week. You're meditating on those things. They have your attention at all times. God, I need your peace. I need your wisdom. I need the courage to do what you've already told me is right. I need. What do you need from God today? Today. Jesus says, ask him. Ask him. You are. I need and then Jesus moves on. Verse 12, he says, And forgive us our debts, or maybe you grew up with a translation that says our trespasses. It's basically our sins. Forgive us our sins, our debts. Now look at this phrase. Please circle in our lives and pay attention to the tense that Jesus uses. As we also have forgiven. Now just a quick pause right there. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Lord, forgive us our sins as we have also already. Jesus is saying, I'm assuming you're doing that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, Jesus, totally, totally. <laughs> I forgive everybody all the time. Because <laughs> this is normal. So often what I, you can expect from God to do for you, you are unwilling to do for others. And he's saying, look, you can ask God to actually forgive you of your sin. This is a very important pause. You can ask God to forgive you for your sin. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where you went to someone else to do that for you. You kind of outsourced this part of the process to someone else, a third party. It's not what Jesus taught. What Jesus said is, you can actually ask your Abba to forgive you and then practice that forgiveness in your life with others because that's his kingdom here on earth. That's his will, his way on earth. As he forgives you, you are forgiving others. So maybe one of the most important things you can say as you come to connect with God in prayer is simply those two words, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. And even me saying the words is melting a part of your heart right now because you've held on for so long and you fought so hard to maintain control. What would it look like for you to just throw the curtain open and say, God, here it is. You already know my heart. And you already know what I've done. I may be able to fool everyone else, but God, not you. Forgive me. And just as you are invited to a way of prayer and connecting with God that is specific enough to say, I need this today. I need this from you. The same invitation goes for you and your confession. Be specific. God, forgive me for this specific thing today. I've been around church and Christian people for a long time. 
I, I, I love them. They're great. I'm one of them. So they're great. But lots of... Seriously, that was kind of a joke. Now I'm concerned that you think I don't like Christians. All right. I'm one of them. I'm in the group. But lots of times what happens is when we're praying and we're talking or there's a time where someone is confessing something, we tend to use the broadest terms possible. God, will you forgive me for my jealousy? God, will you forgive me for my pride? God, will you forgive me for my lust? All true, but the invitation is to be incredibly specific. God, will you forgive me because I am jealous of that person at work because they work half as hard and get promoted twice as far as me. Forgive me. God, forgive me of my pride because I wear my success around as an invitation for acceptance for others. Forgive me for that because I did that today with this person. Forgive me for losing my patience and yelling at my spouse today. God, you created me for more than that. Forgive me. Forgive me for this specific habit or pattern or addiction which has maintained control over my life for far more than I'd be comfortable to ever admit out loud. Forgive me. And I've said it before, and we've talked about this kind of stuff at Soul City. I have a friend named John in Atlanta who I think says it so well, that really one of the greatest marks of growth and transformation when it comes to confession and forgiveness is not just that we sin less, although we, we all should sin less, but it's not just that you sin less. It's that the gap between your sin and your confession gets shorter and shorter and shorter. It's not just that you sin less, because guess what? You're going to keep on sinning. This is part of the broken nature of what the world we live in. But you can actually lessen the gap. You can shorten the gap between your sin and your confession. So instead of waiting till the end of the day, instead of waiting till it blows up, instead of waiting till you're totally out of control, in the moment, in constant connection with God, I just hurt and wounded that person. God, will you forgive me? God, will you forgive me for the way I just spoke to them? Will you forgive me for the way I just spoke about them? And then, as Jesus taught, then go to them and ask for their forgiveness as well. Because that's his kingdom here on earth. That's how it works. So what would it look like for you to say those words, forgive me this week? And then lastly, it says there in verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That means guide and guard our steps. We talked about that last week. And then there's a part that may appear in your translation or it may not, but it's the way that I grew up learning this passage and maybe you did as well. It goes on to say in most translations, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Are you familiar with that ending to this prayer passage? If you grew up around church, this is the point when people would sing the song that they would go all out. (laughs) Notes would get held way too long. And people would just draw out as much vibrato as they can. Why? Because this is a very powerful punctuation to this way of praying. Yours, God, yours is the kingdom. It's your way. Yours is the power. In fact, it's all yours. Glory to you, God, forever. It's another way of basically saying to God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all yours, God. And so all credit goes to you. All credit is due to you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What would it look like for you this week 
to look at your life, and even though you may not have all that you want and life may not be as you thought it would be at this point in your life, to look around your life and say, you know what? I still, I still can say thank you, God. There's still enough to say thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. Jesus says, look, this is a a way to pray where you acknowledge God's goodness and you give him credit for it. Why is that important? Because you and I left to ourselves are going to take credit for it, whatever it is. And we're going to rob God of the glory that he so richly deserves. So we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. It comes from you. It comes from your hand. As you, the Bible teaches in James, you, God, every good and perfect gift comes from you, flowing down from our Father of heavenly lights who loves to lavish his goodness on his children. That's who this Abba is. And so we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You see what? Jesus is given here in this passage that I think most of us are familiar with but might have missed. It's not just a prayer to memorize or to recite when you don't know what else to say. It's a way to pray. It's a way to pray. And if you ever get stuck and you don't know what to say, this gives you a way to pray like Jesus prayed. Because he was asked, how do we do it? And this is what he said. You are. You are. I need. I'm finite. I'm limited. I'm dependent. I need. Forgive me. I fail. I sin. I stumble. I fumble. I need you. Forgive me. And thank you. Thank you, God. Not only for who you are, but for what you've done and what you're doing, what you will do. Thank you. And a beautiful way for us to connect to and be in relationship with God. Again, the way that God has designed and created us to pray is an open relationship, open dialogue, open conversation, so that at any point, no matter where you are, you can talk with God. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, you can be you and talk with God. But in case you get stuck, in case you don't know what to say, in case this is new to you, you have a way to pray. And that is, after all, what Jesus has invited us into. Not times of prayer, but a life of prayer. A way to pray. And what I'd love to do is give you kind of a snapshot of what that looks like from someone who's part of our church and and how they've sort of taken this teaching and all that the Bible has to say about how we connect with God in prayer and have begun to apply that to their lives. And so I'm going to invite the band to come back up because we're going to spend a few moments worshiping as well. But I want to invite my friend Jade. Uh, to come up as well. So can we welcome Jade to the stage? Jade has been a part of our church since before day one. In fact, much of the work that's been done around here physically has been done by his hands. But much of the work that God has done to grow our church has been done through his prayer. This guy has prayed for you, prayed for this church. And he's a member and leader within our prayer ministry and one of the most solid huggers we have in our church. (laughs) If you've ever been hugged by Jade, you are literally not the same afterwards. And so I love Jade. He's my friend. And I asked if he would uh, share with us kind of what's your relationship been like with prayer? Because you kind of grew up in a a home of faith, but prayer wasn't always something easy for you or didn't come naturally to you. What was your relationship with prayer growing up? Uh, Well, Jared, uh, some of my earliest memories of prayer involve sitting in family times, a prayer, and uh, I would sickly hope and pray that 
my parents wouldn't call on me to pray because I just was very uncomfortable with it. Um, but they would every now and then, and I'd have to pray. Um, and I, I wondered why God um, wanted us to pray, if he knew everything, especially the thoughts in our minds. Um, what I did not know was that God desired an intimate relationship with me. Mm. And uh, one of the most profound ways I was going to experience that was through prayer. Mm. Um, so as I grew in my relationship with Jesus, I knew that prayer needed to be a fundamental aspect of my life. Um, I was willing to embrace it, but I, I just couldn't get over the fact that I got bored by it. Mm. Mm. So I began to pray to God. I was like, all right, God. Would you increase my desire to pray? And uh, all of a sudden, the lights went off in my head, and I realized that I was, by asking God, I was actually praying to him. Mm. And uh, that process sparked the beginning of my relationship with prayer. Mm. And I'm um, so grateful to God for the ways he's radically changed my life mm. through prayer. I, want you, I don't know if you caught that. I want to get that. So Jude began to ask God to help him pray, and then realized about halfway through, oh, wait, that counts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm praying. And I think that's, that should come as great encouragement. If you are kind of stuck and don't know, how do I do this? That may be the best prayer you can pray is, God, help me. Help me. Help me pray. Help me know how to pray. And so I thought it'd be helpful today for you to kind of give us a snapshot of what that looks like for you. How do you pray? Yeah. Um, so I've started to make prayer a part of my life over the past several years. And uh, the verse in scripture that encourages us to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances grabbed my attention, and I deeply desire to be, uh, to have my life marked by prayer. Um, so prayer for me has simply been expressing to God the things on my heart. It involves inviting God into my daily activities, um, mm. seeking his wisdom, asking him questions, praising him, mm. and praying for others. And uh, I've come to realize, though, that God's not really impressed by my grandiose prayers. Mm. Um, so I pray to him in simple terms and with honesty. Mm. And uh, lately I've been practicing listening to God. Um, Prayer became even more exciting when I realized that God had a whole lot to say back to me when I prayed, mm. and uh, all I had to do was actively listen for him. Mm. I love that. So it's that give and take of yeah. there's things I say to God, but then there's a lot more. I just need Absolutely. to be quiet and be still and just listen, be open to God answering and God speaking and stirring. Um, what would you say today for those of us who are part of this church or maybe watching or listening online who are saying, okay, I want, I want that. Like, I want to have that, that life of prayer as opposed to trying to, you know, get time of prayer fit into my schedule. I want a life of a prayer, a way of praying. What would you say to anyone who's about to step into that in their life? Yeah. Um, also, usually uh, what prompts us to prayer is when we have a need that we'd like God to respond to. Um, but I believe that God knows what we need even before we pray. So prayer gets us into God's presence, and we realize that God's already at work. Um, mm. Through prayer, we become aware of God's power, and, and our worries begin to fade away. You know, mm. um, Perhaps the ultimate goal of prayer is not just to get our prayers answered, um, but to be transformed by the process and practice of prayer. Um, God longs to be in intimacy with us. He loves when we invite him into our lives, and he's really not like anyone we've ever talked to. Mm. Um, and he wants us to come to him with absolute confidence and with great faith. Hmm. He's waiting. I love it. Can we thank Jaday for his... Thanks, buddy. It's like, that's a beautiful picture to just know, like, you start somewhere. Start right where you're at with God. Honestly, come with, you know, openness and confidence that you can actually engage with this Abba, this Daddy, this God who is hallowed and to be praised, but who is here, who is with you. 
and who's for you. And as I was preparing all my notes and going, okay, how do we kind of get all this? How do we get as practical as possible with prayer? And how do we do this? How are we going to explain all this? You know what I realized along the way? Prayer really is one of those things where the best how-to is to do. The best how-to is to do. Because I could give you a lot more notes. We could talk about it. We could read a ton of books. Very helpful. But you know what's more important than me talking about prayer to you? Is you talking with God in prayer right now. And for some of us, we may need help. You may need a little push, a little prompt. And so what we want to do is give some space and some time in our gathering right now to do just that. To pray like Jesus prayed. To begin a way of praying with him. And so there's a card in your seat back. I'm going to ask everyone to grab this and pull it out and grab a pen. And the reason I'm asking everyone to do it is simply this. You're going to be bored for the next five minutes if you don't have this. And so I think this is going to be actually a very helpful exercise. A little red and white card that says, this then is how you should pray. Would you grab a pen? There should be a pen in the seat back as well. We're going to pray like Jesus prayed. We're going to just take a few minutes and walk through that prayer. You are, I need, forgive me, thank you. And so I'm going to give you a moment or two on each one of these. I'll kind of prompt you when to move to the next one. But whatever kind of is on your heart or most, whatever it is that you walked in here meditating on, thinking about, whatever is most sort of urgent in your life, maybe that might be something worth paying attention to right now. And that might be where your prayer needs to start from. And so instead of just focusing on on ourselves and all that kind of stuff yet, let's take a minute though and, and reposition ourselves to say, God, you are. You are in the midst of everything that's going on in my life, in the midst of all that I see, I'm gonna take a moment and say, God, you are. So you can grab a pen in that top line Just start writing maybe the words or phrases that are true of God, that you need to be true of God, that you need to be reminded are true of God. What do you need to say to God right now? God, you are so patient. God, you are so kind. You are so loving. I encourage you to write those words out that you are prayer to God right now. you need to, you can keep writing while I'm talking. It's good, isn't it, to just be reminded, to be centered, grounded in the reality of who God is, a God that's greater than you. But he's also a God who loves you. He's your Abba. And he said that he already knows your needs before you name them, but he delights when his children come to him, declare their dependence on him. And so what do you need to say right now in prayer? God, I need I need, I need this. I need you to help me with this. I, I, I need, God, your insight. I need your wisdom to know what to do here with this decision. 
I need your courage to do what I know I need to do, but I'm unwilling to do. I need this from you. I need you to provide for me, God. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I need you to be my provider. Whatever it is that you need, be very specific and bring it to your Father right now. What are the places that you need to ask for God's forgiveness? Even as I've said those words, you kind of know that maybe emotion is welling up within you. Confession is at the tip of your tongue. Would you have the courage to just say it right now? God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for how I've treated this person. Forgive me, God, for how I've treated you. Forgive me for what I've done with my finances. Be specific, just as specific as you are with naming your needs. Be that specific with asking for God's forgiveness right now. Take a few minutes and come to your Father who offers full freedom and forgiveness to you in this moment right now. And ask for it. what do you just need to say thank you God for thank you God we have a phrase around here at Soul City Church we say all the time only God only God only God could do this only God is a way of saying thank you God thank you God for this for my family thank you God for this relationship thank you God that I have a job that I may not love but God you've provided for me thank you God be just as specific Thank you, God, for these specific things in my life. I'm giving you the credit because left to myself, I'll take it for myself. So I'm saying thank you, God, as a way of praying right now. Take the next moment or two to do that. may have been um, difficult for you, may have been helpful to you, you may have run out of room, that's actually a good thing because that's going to compel you into more and more time of connecting with God to finish the work that we started here. In fact, here's what we'd love to do as a church together this week. I'd love to, to, for us to do this together. Last week, we set our alarms a little bit earlier to get up and to read the Bible. If you missed that opportunity, you can still do it this week. Make up on that homework. In fact, I'd encourage you to continue to do that. And when you set your alarm a little bit earlier to get up and engage with God and fall more in love with his word, I'd ask you to spend some time in that time just praying. And maybe you already know sort of what to say and what you need to say to God, but if you don't, you actually now have a way to pray. And to take it kind of the next level for our church, what I'd love for us to do this next week as your homework is to set actually, wait for it, 
three alarms throughout your day. Take that smartphone that has you connected to everything and everyone else in your world and set an alarm, literally set an alarm three times to go off every day this week. Maybe it's in the morning when you get up. Maybe it's around lunch, sometime in the afternoon. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe all you need to put in there is all caps is pray. Maybe what you need to put in there is the words of these prayer, this prayer that Jesus gave us. Just the words you are pops up in the middle of your day. Imagine how helpful that might be in the middle of a stressful day at work or things are getting intense in the home and all of a sudden that pops up and you're reminded, oh wait, no, God, you are. You are in control. You are still God. You are my father. I wanna challenge you to set an alarm. You can do it because you do it for tons of other things throughout your life. You can actually do this three times a day. And is there anything magical or mystical about three? Nope, I made it up. (laughs) But what I think will happen, and what I'm praying will happen, is that by being intentional to set aside these times of prayer, it will become a way of prayer and a life of prayer for you. So much so, in fact, that it's not quite as hard to remember the next day. In fact, you end up looking forward to it. That's possible that you actually anticipate and look forward to intentional time. Again, connected with God all throughout the day, yes, but intentional times to be with him. So we've started it here at Soul City. Now we're gonna continue it throughout our week together. And we're gonna actually move into a time of worship right now, declaring who God is to him. You know, worship is basically just prayer set to music. It's prayer set to music. And if you don't know what to pray or you don't quite have the words, we, we got them on the screens for you and you can join in and make these prayers your confession to God, make them your profession to God. But we're gonna declare who God is by worshiping him together. And as part of our worship, something we do every week is we respond to God's goodness. One of the tangible ways we say thank you, we declare who he is, is by giving back to him by responding to his goodness, by giving back to him and what he's doing here, to the work that he's doing, his kingdom here on earth, in this city, through this church. And we are so grateful for the folks in our church who say regularly, consistently, courageously, thank you, God, and give to what he's doing here. And so we're gonna do that as part of our worship because that's what it is. It's worship, it's our joy, our delight to invest in the kingdom of God, the way of God here on earth. And to pray for you and for our offering, I'd love to have Jade come up and say a prayer for us and then we're gonna spend some time responding to God and then we'll be done. So Jade, would you pray for us as we give to God? Um, Jesus, we, we thank you. We thank you for the invitation um, that you've offered to us. Um, the assurance that we know that we can come to you, God with all of who we are, God, with our whole hearts, God, and you hear us when we pray to you. So Jesus, as we journey through this week um, to experience the power of prayer, um, Lord, would you awaken in us um, just a fresh desire for that, um, that our hearts would be filled with um, a hunger, God, to connect with you in ways we probably never have before. And so God, whether it's through moments of joy or through moments of pain, um, I ask that you give us the grace um, to part our hearts before you. So Jesus, as we give to you um, as an act of worship out of what you've blessed us with, uh, may we do that with joy. Um, We're so grateful for you, Jesus. Amen.